Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. happen to be a grandfather and in about two weeks time I will be a great grandfather for the first time. Yes, hallelujah. And uh, <laughs> that, that little baby's father is actually serving God in Myanmar in a Christian school at the moment because for many years he was raising uh, support for orphans in Myanmar and he's, he's there right now so Hallelujah, and uh, God bless you in Myanmar and in the South Pacific and all over the place as well. I really loved listening to you talk to one another in the time you had uh, greeting each other, and I want you not to settle down and go to sleep yet, but to do a little more, because um, as you've noticed in the notes in the introduction, God really pours out his blessing when we love one another, encourage one another, support one another, help one another. So let's do that. Uh, There are two things I'd like you to do in the next minute or two, two at the most. Um, First of all, I want you just to bless someone near you. Um, Now if your mind has gone blank and you've got a mild panic, uh, let me help you. What you can do is just tell someone near you what you admire or appreciate about them. It may be their smile. It may be their friendship. So you can be thinking of what you're going to say to someone near you just to bless them and encourage them. Then I'd like you to bless them a little more by actually praying for them. Now sometimes some of us think, oh, oh, I'm not good enough for that. Hallelujah, that's exactly what you need to think because none of us are good enough for that. Only Jesus is good enough and he gives us his spirit, his life, and so he blesses us. So you can, even though you're not good enough and I'm not good enough, you can reach out and you can bless someone, however you're comfortable doing it. It may be you just want to say, God bless you, or the Lord bless you and keep you. Or some of you, and I can see all the prophets in the room now coming alive and vibrating with anticipation, you will get a word to bless someone. You will get a word of uh, encouragement, support. So you've got one minute, two minutes to do that. And then you can listen to me again. So turn to one another, stand or sit or however you like to do it. Bless someone, tell them what you appreciate or admire about them. And then pray a prayer of blessing. And I'm going to talk to people online while you do that. So online, you too can bless one another. Uh, Maybe you're watching on your own, so you can get out your phone or a text text somebody or send an email maybe to grandpa or grandma if they're still alive and that will really bless them and might even surprise them you can do that right now while you're watching this online or in the future for those of you who are watching on YouTube you can uh, pause you can pause this uh, program and and you can bless someone. If you're on your own, also you could do an email or a text. If you're with other people, you could do what they're doing here now in the church. You could uh, say what you really appreciate or what you really encourage about the people you're with, even right now. 
And if you would like to, you could pray a prayer, a prayer of blessing. Just the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. So you can do that wherever you are. And God will be blessing people through you. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that you bless us in so many ways. And now I guess I should get back and talk to everybody here in the church as well. I'm going to show, while you're finishing off, just show you a few very quick pictures in a quick slideshow from my past. I was a Baptist minister, missionary in New Guinea, and we had lots of baptisms. We can have baptisms today. If you've not been baptized and you'd like to be, the tank is there and Pastor Joe will be there and he can baptize you today if you just want to be obedient to the Lord. They were obedient. And uh, many of them, hundreds of them were obedient and God brought out his spirit on them. We had communion and little bamboo <laughs> cylinders. They followed the Western way, not quite sure why. And they had sweet potato, that was their bread of life. And that was how you had communion. That was my Bible school, bamboo walls, grass roof. And all the students sitting down were the first intake of the Bible school in, in the Baptist mission in the highlands of New Guinea. And all of them were leaders in revival, all of them. Two years after that photo, every one of them were in churches where revival was happening. People were getting saved, people were getting filled with the spirit, people were getting healed from all sorts of stuff. Lots of spirits being cast out, especially in that culture. And they just saw the Spirit of God moving and blessing them. In the highlands, there were no roads where I was, only tracks, you just walked on tracks. And, um, and the, the men there, they all grew beards, big black curly beards. That looks rather weird to me. That was a, a multicolored one, different from all the other men there. But I tried it for a little while anyway, just to fit in with the culture. And that's where I met my wife. She came up to teach, met Meg and uh, I did a lot of trekking across the mountains. We were five hours away in different schools working. So most weekends I, I did a five hour run across the mountains. I, I reduced it to three hours. I could do it faster than all the local lads. And that's the way I had to go. Had to go across a bridge made of bamboo and vines. Actually, that's where I proposed. Just down there, by in the bottom of the gorge. And, uh, and now we've got eight grandchildren and a great grandchild on the way. So hallelujah, thank you Lord, you're so good, so good. We did get to fly around a bit, especially on mission. There's the airstrip in this, uh, the west of the Solomon Islands in Giso. So the whole island is the airstrip and then you get in a launch and you go across. And we were at a conference there. This is the last slide. We were in the Solomons and we saw the Lord pour out his spirit on about 800 young people all at once. I had not seen it before like that. I'd never seen it like that in Australia. And those young people were among them. Everywhere, they were from Karaki Island, an island group in the west of the Solomons. And when they went home after the conference, every single meeting they were in became a revival meeting. The Spirit of God just moved. People gave their lives to the Lord. People got filled with the Spirit. People were using new spiritual gifts they had never used before, especially revelations. They were all getting revelations, or most of them getting revelations about Jesus and what he was doing and words of knowledge. It was 
really amazing. God did it. They were just ordinary kids like your kids and mine. But the Spirit of God was moving on them. So I want to talk about these treasures that are available to you and me. Because God is abundant in in pouring out his love and blessing and mercy and goodness to us. And he... He wants to bless you today, right now. I'm, I'm kind of getting off script here a bit because I'm getting other, other nudges. It's like, you don't have to wait till the end of the message to discover that God is good and God is great and God is mighty and God is blessing you. And uh, sitting right there where you are, you can know the blessing of God. Right, we've already had a word of knowledge that scoliosis will be healed today. Now, I don't think you've got to wait till the end of the message to get healed. You can be healed sitting where you are. But any of you who have that particular back problem, I really encourage you to come at the end of the service. The prayer team will have little, uh, little things of oil. And that's because in the Bible, Jesus' disciples, they went around and they anointed people with oil and they prayed for healing. So I said, well, let's, let's do that. Let's have oil. And there's a, there's, a whole lot, there's a whole lot just happening when we sit at the feet of Jesus. And then he blesses us. The same with you online and, and in the future online. I, I did a, a service like this last year in, in another church and people online got healed during the service. I didn't know about it. They sent me an email later saying, one of the ladies said, oh, I was out working in the garden and I, my back was so sore. And then I discovered at the end of the service, it was like, oh, it's, um, it's, all, it's all done. It's all finished. It's all gone. So just expect the Lord to touch you. He's touching you. So that, that was really kind of off script. The, the treasures new and old that I intended to talk about uh, are based on a verse in Matthew 13 from verse 52. Matthew 13 is a great chapter about Jesus telling stories. He started telling stories in the boat. And then uh, because the crowds were so big and there was <laughs> no room, uh, so he got out of it. And then he came back to our house in Capernaum. He told more stories there. And then, verse 52, he said to them, this is at the end of telling these stories, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. We all have both. We have new treasures by the Spirit of God living in us, and we have the old treasures that have been there for thousands and thousands of years, uh, like the fresh as well as the familiar. So let's look at some of the old treasures we know about. Reminds me of um, a grandparent's story that sort of fits today. This young fellow got married, discovered his wife had some strange habits he'd never discovered when they were courting. But when you live together, you're always finding new things, new wonderful things about each other. But one thing that puzzled this young fellow was that his wife always cut both ends off the bacon before she fried it. He watched this for a, a while and then said, darling, why do you do that? Why do you cut both ends off the bacon? She thought for a moment and said, oh, I don't really know, I've always done that. In fact, that's the way my mother taught me. Well, next time mum came for a visit, he pursued his quest and said, hey mum, Tell me, why did you teach your daughter to cut both ends off the bacon? Mum thought for a while and said, oh, I don't really know. I always did that. 
In fact, that's the way my mother taught me. Well, Grandma was still alive. So on the next visit to Grandma, this persistent young man pursued his quest and said, hey, Grandma, why did you teach your daughter to cut both ends off the bacon before it's fried? Grandma, being practical, down-to-earth person like lots of grandparents asked, ah, that silly woman, I didn't teach her that. I just had to do it because my fry pan was too small. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> why do you do what you do? Why do you have church the way you have church? Oh, Grandma did. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Yes, us. I, I worship with... I've been singing that hymn for 80 years, more than 80 years. Yeah, I, I was a little kid. I knew that. Well, didn't. I kind of learned it. It's like... That's how we always did it. But what's happening now is God pours out his spirit. There's a whole lot of new stuff is happening in church too, like you might have noticed today, just being in his presence together. New things are happening. Well, what about praying? How do you pray? My grandparents, my grandma particularly, taught me as a little boy to kneel by the bed and say my prayers, close my eyes, say my prayers, and I did. Actually, I enjoyed doing it. I like talking to God, don't know why, well, of course I know why. God is great and God is good and God is glorious. So I just enjoyed talking to God, even as a little boy, because I knew God, God loved me. My parents told me that and I believed them. I hope you've told your children and your grandchildren that, that God loves them, because the little kids are so open to all of that. So I knew that. I knew God loved me, so I liked to talk to him. And uh, we kind of had a pattern, you know, forgive me for all the sin in my life, you know, like being cranky with my sisters. And uh, God bless mummy and daddy and all the kids in the family. And uh, maybe the Lord's Prayer, if you were feeling really, you know, holy or something. And then you could climb into bed. I did that for years because that's the way my grandparents taught me. And that was the way my parents taught me as well. Until I was a teenager. And then in high school in Tamworth, where in the middle of winter, the water freezes in the pipes. And my room was the veranda outside the house with louvers between me and the winter. And I can tell you, my prayers when I knelt by the bed as a teenager were super fast. The quickest prayers you've ever heard. The shortest version I could think of. Oh God, forgive me for any sin. Sorry, and uh, God bless the family, and good night, and into bed. It was so cold. And then, lying in bed as a teenager, I began thinking, good idea, God gave you a brain, you should use it. And I was thinking, I'm stupid. This kneeling by the bed, freezing, stops me from praying. The very thing that's supposed to help me pray is stopping me from praying, but in this warm, comfortable bed, I can talk to God, I can talk to God, I can just talk to God, I can talk to God. I thought about that for a long time. And then it dawned on me. You know, a new day, you know, the sun came up. What dawned on me was you can talk to God in bed, warm and comfortable, and actually pray better than on your knees beside the bed like Grandma did. I don't know why the preacher never told me that, but I've told you that. I hope you'll do that. It's a great way to go to sleep. Instead of worrying about the bills and worrying about exams, you can just talk to God about it and give it to him and know his peace. Well, the old sometimes becomes the enemy of the new. The good can be the enemy of the best because it keeps us from the best. So Jesus kept on showing people that. 
um, prayer, for example. He taught people to pray a new way. He got into trouble for that. The way Jesus prayed got him killed. They called it blasphemy, and they beat him severely because of the way he prayed and the way he talked to God. But that's the way he taught us to pray. He said, when you pray, just say, Our Father, our Father in heaven, your name is so holy. He, he wants an intimate relationship with us. He made you and he loves you and he wants you to love him back. And Jesus taught the disciples to pray in an intimate way. That's one thing that got him killed. Or Ten Commandments, that's old stuff. God wrote with a finger on, or with something, on stone. And people memorize that. I memorized that, Exodus 20, I knew it off by heart for years. Um, but when Jesus came along, he seemed to do something different with it all. He, he said things like, you've heard it said that you should not kill. Do not kill. But I say, I say to you, if you're angry with someone with no good reason, then you've already committed murder. You're already a murderer. See, he shifted it from performance to where's your heart? He said, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Don't go around accusing other people because they did it. You've done it in your heart. He changed it all from outside to inside, and he got into trouble for breaking the Ten Commandments. In fact, that was one of the big problems religious people had with Jesus. Why was he breaking the, the tra tra traditions, the commandments? For example, the leaders of the church in those days, the synagogue, would say to people, don't come here to get healed today, come tomorrow. And Jesus did not like that. He just kept on breaking that tradition. Now they based it on verses in the Bible, but Jesus was full of the love of God, the same love that God has for you. And he was pouring out his love to heal people and bless people anytime, anywhere, anyhow. He had amazing ways of doing it. He just kept on revealing God's great love. So he was transforming everything. The old was there, but it was being transformed by the new. So that's the law. What about the Psalms? He transforms the Psalms. You know, it's when you know Jesus, the Psalms have new life. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51. When you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's a powerful, powerful prayer. And that was prayed by David after he'd committed some pretty big sins, including adultery and murder. That came from the heart. That's, it's different for us now. It's, it's full of Jesus and full of his spirit has been poured out for us. Or Psalm 23, I guess most of you know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Who? Who's your shepherd? Jesus. He's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you. So when you're singing, saying, the Lord is my shepherd, you've got a song about Jesus, the good shepherd who loved you and gave his life for you. So wonderful. All the servant songs in Isaiah, the prophets. We've talked about the law, we've talked about the Psalms. The prophets are full of pictures of Jesus and the servant songs in Isaiah. You can look them up. They're, you can actually find them on Google, you know, servant songs Isaiah, you'll get it. 
And they're full of pictures of Jesus. Perhaps 53, we call it 53 because they added chapters and verses in around 1550 after the printing press so we could find our way around. But these songs were about a servant of the Lord who suffered terribly and was rejected by people. And we know it's fulfilled in Jesus. Or that great passage in chapter 61 uh, of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2, where Jesus had come back to his home church. You can read the story in Luke as well as in the other Gospels. And he read from the scroll of Isaiah that was given to him. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. To do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God's favor is here for you, and it has come in Jesus. Well, back to Matthew 13, where I began. Uh, that passage goes on to say that when Jesus had finished these parables, the stories he was telling, he moved on from there, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miracles, these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? or Judah, or Jude. Two of his brothers wrote books in the New Testament. And aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. How sad. But Jesus said to them, the prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there. because of their lack of faith. Ouch. I wonder why he doesn't do some more miracles for us. It's the same God, the same Jesus. We're the ones who need to believe. And I was so glad to see that that's in the mission statement of this church. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. He declared it and demonstrated it. And uh, you can read it on the wall out near the foyer. That's what this church is about. We're a family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people who declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. That's what you've signed up for, friends. That's what we're on about. So let's look at this new, the new treasures that have been poured out in Jesus, through Jesus, and by his Spirit. You see, Jesus explained it over and over again, but people couldn't get it. He said, by myself, I can do nothing. That's uh, John 50, verse 30. Now, he's the Son of God. When I was young, I didn't understand that. I thought, the Son of God, he can do anything, anything, anything he wants, anytime he wants. He's God's Son. That's why all the miracles happen. He's God's Son. That's why he walked on water. He's God's Son. And Jesus was explaining to them, no, I can't do this. I can do nothing of myself. I can only do what I see my Father doing. I can only do what my Father tells me to do. That's all I can do, because it was God's Spirit in him that enabled that. Uh, Mark 
tells the story this way in Mark chapter 6 from verse 5. Uh, when he got to Nazareth, his home church or his home synagogue, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. They knew him so well that they couldn't, they couldn't see him as the son of God with with all that, all that amazing power that God gives by his spirit. Jesus was amazed twice, we're told in the Gospels, and this was one time at Nazareth. The other time was he was amazed with a, a soldier, a Roman soldier, whose servant was sick, and um, Jesus offered to go to his home. That was shocking to Jewish people. No Jew would go into the home of a Gentile, let alone a Roman soldier of all people who had invaded their land, but Jesus offered to go. And this soldier said, no. The centurion replied to Jesus, Matthew 8, verse 8, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then I want to jump down. Uh, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was amazed. And said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That's what he's looking for in you. That's what he's looking for in me. Just faith in him. Faith that believes he really is God's son. And he has poured out his spirit. And his spirit is available to us. I'm going to jump down to a few biblical and current examples just to wrap this up. You know about the prayer meeting in Jerusalem. They prayed probably all night, and the Lord poured out his spirit. So they were filled with the spirit the same way Jesus was filled with the spirit, and they could do the same things Jesus did because they had the same spirit. Guess what's available to you and me? That happened on um, Elko Island. I've, I've been there. Among Aboriginal people there in the north of Australia, a long, narrow island, there's a, a community in the north that pray every morning together, the whole community, 30 of them. They pray every morning and every night. They've been doing that for years. And they're praying for Australia. They're praying for you. They're praying for revival. And 1979, there was a prayer meeting in the minister's home. Actually, he was tired. He'd been traveling. He didn't even want to have the meeting. But the people said, oh, yes, you've, you've been away. You're back again. We want to pray with you, sir. He had a little Bible study and a prayer meeting. And when they prayed together, the Spirit of God was poured out on them, just like at Pentecost. They still call it their Pentecost. In February, every year, they have a celebration. Everywhere those ordinary people went, the Lord poured out his Spirit. People got saved. People got healed. People got set free from all kinds of evil spirits. And they moved all over lots of places, Northern Territory, Western Australia, Queensland, I invited a team to, uh, to Brisbane, and, and we had meetings. Actually, we held them at COC, because I was teaching there in the college. And uh, I said to them, now, uh, after, after, you, after you've done the preaching, we want you to pray for us. And they said, oh, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to pray for white people. I said, what? You've been praying for people for years. Oh, yeah, but we've only prayed for black people. I said, why? They said, well, you're the first white church that's invited us. I thought, oh God, forgive us. I said, why? Why is revival happening with you and not with us? And they looked at me <laughs> sheepishly and said, because you're too proud. You're too proud. Ouch, oh God, forgive us. So the Lord poured out his spirit on these Aboriginal groups all over the place. 
Or in Samaria, you know that in Samaria, Acts chapter eight, uh, a couple of leaders, Peter and John, laid hands on the Christians. They'd already been saved. Um, they'd already uh, seen signs and wonders and miracles. And then Peter and John came and laid hands on them, prayed for them, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. The same anointing that Jesus had when the Spirit of God came on him. And uh, I, I saw that too. In when the Solomon Island pastors who'd been in revival in the 70s came to our Baptist area in the Highlands. I, I showed you the photo of the students in the Bible school. The reason they all became involved in revival was because the Solomon Island pastors did what Peter and John did. They told about how God had moved among them. They laid their hands on the pastors. There were about two dozen pastors there from the villages. The next Sunday, Every village church had revival. The Spirit of God was just poured out. Those pastors believed that God was with them, and they preached that, and they saw God setting people free from all kinds of spirits, and all kinds of things were happening in the power of the Spirit of God. Or in Damascus, Acts chapter 9, one Christian prayed for another new Christian. Actually, the Christian didn't want to. He didn't want to do it because that fellow, Saul, had come to kill him or get him thrown into prison. But anyway, he obeyed and he went and prayed for him. And uh, Saul was healed from his blindness and he was filled, anointed with the power of the Spirit of God. I saw that happen in Vanuatu, in the law school, university of all places, a legal school. They, they were praying together, they were praying every day, and they had some wild young people that liked to go to the nightclubs. I'll talk more about this tonight. But the, the, the kids they were praying for really didn't want to know God. They didn't want to be like these Christians. They wanted to have fun, you know, go to nightclubs, get drunk, chase the girls. But those Christians prayed for them, and the Spirit of God moved on them. <laughs> Actually, one weekend after Easter, God just moved on the whole university. And I spoke to a couple of them. Actually, they came to Kenmore Baptist Church. We had uh, prayer meetings with Ray and Nan Peck. For, they came for a whole month. They were here 6 o'clock every morning to be part of that. And I, I said, well, what happened? And one of them, he's now a pastor of two churches as well as a lawyer. They're, they're all lawyers now. And uh, he said, well, I was in the bushes listening. I was not interested. But when they invited us to give our lives to God, I just ran to the front. He said, I still don't know why I did it. I just did it. Are you praying for a grandchild who needs that kind of touch from God? Just keep praying. Just keep believing. God can do it, and he can do it his way. That young fellow, as I said, is a pastor of two churches in Fiji now, as well as being a lawyer. Or in Caesarea. This one I love. <laughs> While the preacher was preaching, the Spirit of God fell on everyone. I've kind of said, oh, Lord, do it again. <laughs> do it again. And he does in little ways. I saw it in the Solomon Islands. I told you about it earlier. We had a youth conference, a national youth conference with, ah, with <laughs> a thousand people. And the Spirit of God just moved on them. I had a young fellow from college who was also with me, and he spoke. But while he was speaking, God was moving, and you could see that the young people wanted to do something. So this young fellow said, you want to give your life to God and hold nothing back? Then come. 800 people came running to the front on that paddock. How do you pray for 800 people? There were just two of us. Even the local pastors didn't know what to do. They were just looking goggled eyed. They'd never seen this before. 
So we prayed for the people in the front. <laughs> I don't know what happened. They just got overwhelmed, like when we prayed for John and Joe down here with an anointing a, 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 few, a few months ago. Anyway, they just fell. They fell. I don't know why they fell. I didn't fall. They fell. And they were having visions and revelations. Healings were happening all over the place. One young fellow went back to his village nearby, and uh, he'd been healed. He had a vision of Jesus. Lots of people had visions of Jesus that night. And he said to his mother, mother was sick, and he said, oh, mum, I want to pray for you. I got healed tonight. So he put his hands on his mum. He prayed for his mum, and the pain just left her. He'd never done that before. He was just a traditional Methodist boy. His brother saw what happened and said, hey, I want you to pray for me. So he prayed for his brother, put his hands on him and prayed for him, and all the pain left his brother. And he gave the testimony the next day at the conference. You see, God is doing this with millions and millions of people all over the world. This is the time we're living in. Last example, in Ephesus, there are people who were already saved. They got baptized in the name of Jesus. And um, uh, the missionary prayed for them, laid hands on them. They got filled with the Spirit. They were prophesying. They were speaking words from God. They were speaking in new languages. God was just pouring out his Spirit. Ah. <laughs> I had a funny time at a camp one time. It was actually not a Baptist camp, but um, the, the young fellow who was lead, uh, helping to lead the camp with me said to me, Jeff, I want to get baptized. And I said, you're going to get me into trouble. Um, this is not a Baptist camp. And uh, he said, that doesn't matter. We'll just go down the creek and we'll do it like the Ethiopian. You know, the fellow from Ethiopia who got baptized in water because Philip had told him, that's what you do. You give your life to God and you get baptized. So we went down. He got baptized. He got so drunk in the spirit, I had to get him up out of the water. He just couldn't walk out of the water. You see, it still happens. God pours out his spirit in all kinds of wonderful ways. So we're going to move into our response time here. I'm, because I'm a grandpa, I've asked them to use an old hymn, wonderful old hymn that we know, well, I know, and many of you will know, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and that you bid me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing that. But I want to remind you, the baptistry is open. If you want to be like the Ethiopian, the queen's treasurer, very rich and wealthy man, he got baptized because he wanted to follow Jesus. You can today or tonight. Uh, Joe will be there to help you. If you want prayer for healing, this is a wonderful place. That's what church is supposed to be, a place where we get prayed for. Well, we have oil. There are prayer teams down the front and pastors who are willing, love, love to pray for you. If you would like prayer for any kind of healing, why not come and just trust God and be healed? And they'll anoint you with oil and, and pray for your healing. If you've never given your life to God, why don't you? Right now, sitting where you are, say, oh Lord, I give myself to you. This is the prayer I invite you to pray. You could pray it out loud with me or you could pray it silently. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Forgive me for any wrong in my life. I trust in you, and I give my life to you. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to pray with you. Maybe give you a Bible if you don't have one. So while we're standing in a moment and singing, 
why don't you come to the front? There'll be people here ready to pray for you. So lots of ways you can respond. You can be baptized. You can be anointed with oil. You can give your life to God. If you want to be filled more and more, overflowing with the Spirit of God, then come, we'd love to pray for you. The pastors especially would love to pray that God will fill you to overflowing with the Spirit of God. Let's stand as we pray together in this song, just as I am. for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram.
Thanks for listening.